This is Seam Change, where we chat to Aussie fashion creatives who have built partnerships to transfer and transform textile waste into something new. I'm Julia English, and this podcast is part of my PhD research at RMIT University. I'll be opening the door so you can listen in as I interview these designers about their experiences in collaborating with the local industry. Their thoughts and mine are, as always, our own and don't reflect either the university or any other companies we discuss. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations as the traditional owners of the lands on which this podcast was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. This episode, we're chatting to Bethany Jacob, the designer behind Bethany Alice Fashion Design, about her collaboration with Lois Hazel. Having trained in fashion design at RMIT and after working in bridal for a few years, Bethany was shocked at how women expected their bodies to fit their clothes, not the other way around. She started offering alterations to friends and family around six years ago to help them feel confident in their wardrobe, and her business just grew from there. She now travels around Victoria, meeting with clients and offering alterations packages to transform their wardrobes. As well as alterations, she creates upcycled styles to help inspire her clients to see the potential for their unworn clothes. After connecting with Lois Hazel, a local Melbourne brand, the two worked together to transform Lois's unsold stock through adding panels to create voluminous sleeves and adjusting the design to enable reversibility. Have a listen to hear Bethany talk about her enjoyment in bouncing ideas between her and Lois, and what she gained from their collaboration. We also talk about how she loves the intimacy of working with clients and helping other women feel amazing in their clothes. This is Seam Change, and we're talking with Bethany Jacob about altering clothes through collaborative partnerships. Lovely to have you here on the podcast, Bethany. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolute delight. So we're here to chat a bit about your work and in particular your work with Lois Hazel. So can you tell me a bit about yourself and your company, your business brand, however you'd like to to call it? Beautiful. Well, I pretty much describe myself as someone who helps women alter their clothes so they can feel confident in them instead of feeling guilty for having a wardrobe full of wasted money. And then I also have my own little collection of pieces that are solely made from old clothes and old fabric scraps just to upcycle it all. So it's a bit about my business, but it's sort of grown over the years. When I first started it after I finished university, I was solely doing like custom made pieces for people from scratch. And then I began altering and then sort of began my process of finding how to make my business more sustainable. And then I sort of went into altering, upcycling and all that kind of stuff and haven't looked back. Okay. So you started off not doing alterations and you've ended up heading down that path. What was the key motivator? It's funny. I found a brand called Zero Waste Daniel. I think it was on Facebook and he was solely making clothes from scraps from um, fast fashion like manufacturers that were just ending up on the floor. And I thought, wow, I have so many scraps in my studio. I should play around with this process of like just trying to make things out of old scraps. And I really fell in love with it because it was just such a creative challenge trying to create something with limited materials. And then it was also like with the pieces that I was making, it told a really good story where I was like, oh yeah, this jacket used to be an old pair of jeans or this used to be an old t-shirt. And I think it formed more of an attachment with the pieces that I was making. 
And also I was able to show people who I was doing alterations for, this is what's possible. There is so much possibility beyond just taking up something or taking something in when it comes to alterations. Did you have any like memorable responses from people when you showed them? Yeah, I remember when I first made that collection, like a collection of my own upcycle pieces, and I took it to um, a local market and people just saw it and I was explaining it and their faces were like, wait, what? How did you do that? I didn't even know know that that was possible. And then, yeah, there was like this kind of switch in their mind. And then once I started working with clients and showing them ideas, their light goes off in their head and they're like, oh my God, what else can I do? What other pieces do I have in the back of my wardrobe that we can do all of this? And the response has just been amazing. I guess for context, you do live a little way out of the city. How do you think that's shaped your clients or the way that you work? I'm still trying to find, I think my clients, I do travel around a little bit because I um, used to live in Ballarat. So I started my business in there and, and built some clients there. And then while studying and working in Melbourne as well, sort of met people through there and started building clients up there. But I definitely like travel around a bit. I'm not sort of like limited to where I am. And then I find that word of mouth has just grown from there. And, you know, one, I work with one client and they're like, oh, my sister has some stuff or like my hairdresser has some stuff. And then it's just grown from there. But I love to travel around and just help as many people as I can. That's beautiful. Such a nice ethos. (laughs) How about we get into the collaboration with Lois Hayes? Maybe start by describing what was the final product or design. Yeah, it was really exciting. So for a bit of context, she sort of came to me with a few of her pieces that were from a few seasons ago and weren't selling and they're still just gorgeous pieces and was like, I want to kind of rework them, but I'm not really sure how. So we sort of worked together to create some designs and it was great working with her because she liked my style to begin with and it had seen a bit of my work, but it was great collaborating with her because she has such an in-depth knowledge of her client base and knowing what they're comfortable with, what they like wearing, what they don't like wearing. So it was really good to incorporate that into the designs. So in the end we had, there was just some beautiful, simple long sleeve wrap tops We had the idea of actually making them reversible. So what I did was actually lower the neckline on one of them so it wasn't as high so it could be a bit more comfortable and we wanted them to be able to get like twice as much wear out of it. And then I cut up some fabrics from some of the other samples and put them in the sleeves and then we sort of created like a tie feature that pulled it all in so it was like this gathered kind of sleeve. So it created a new kind of silhouette and an interesting kind of feature that you could hopefully wear in multiple ways to get even more wear out of it once someone buys it. You said so much about the start of it, but I've got to unpack all of that. Yes, we can, definitely. So (laughs) you said Lois approached you first. Do you know how she heard of you? Because I always love to hear that. Well, we originally met at a clothes swap event that she was speaking at. It was one of the first clothes swap events I'd ever been to. And I'm like, how have I never done this before? Because you get new clothes without spending any money and you get rid of old clothes. Amazing concept. And so she was sort of like the guest speaker while they were getting everything prepared. And she was just talking about her ethos of her business, how she's so passionate about making it so ethical and really transparent in her whole process. I think I actually met her mum and we started got talking and then we followed each other on Instagram and then she'd seen a bit of my work. Yeah, wanted to do more alterations and stuff, but that wasn't really her passion. So she wanted me to come in and help out with that and just liked my designs and wanted to see what was possible as well. And then we just sort of got together and started firing ideas and it was so much fun. So she kind of approached you. Did she have those garments already in mind? I think she specifically had that sales stock in mind because she was like, I've got them sitting there and I know Beth does this. And she's constantly working to find new ways to make her business even more sustainable. And she didn't want to get rid of these products. And then so we just got together and started chatting. And I was so excited because they were such beautiful pieces. And it's such a shame when they don't get sold. And it's like, well, what can we do? to revitalize them so they just don't end up in waste. 
Tell me a bit about the nuts and bolts. Was it email? Did you meet at a coffee shop? Paint a bit of a picture. Yeah, yeah. So it originally started off, she, I think she just messaged me on Instagram and threw around the ideas and I was like, oh my God, yes. So we caught up at her studio and she pulled out all the products that um, we were looking at and we sort of just threw around a couple of vague ideas and we sort of got down to uh, how much stock there was as well. Yeah, she was just telling me about what was co- what her client base was comfortable wearing and, you know, some limitations of what we could do with the designs. And then so I took just one sample away of each colour that we did, took it home and then came up with a wide range of designs and then sent them back to her via email. And then she just said, yep, I think I love, you know, this of this number and this of this one. Let's combine it together. That might be the best. So I did... I made just like one sample of each and then we just got back and then to clarify and finalise the design. I think that was around one of the times one of the lockdowns happened. I can't remember which one. So we went back and forth over email and then I sent her all the final products at the end. And But luckily before the lockdown I was able to make about I think one of each style in each colour and got them back to her and she was able to do a bit of a photo shoot. And then, yeah, we locked down and I just did the rest and then sent them back to her. That sort of, I guess, the designing process mm-hmm. then, you said that one of the things that you found really interesting was how well she knew her customer yes. base. Yeah. I guess, could you just elaborate on that? Yeah, I'm really, really strongly passionate about people knowing their customer base because if you know them really well and you know what they want, they're more inclined to actually wear the garment and wear it over and over and over again. And I'm really passionate about making sure that they're comfortable and I think she is as well with her client base because if you're comfortable in it, you're going to wear it. And if you wear it over and over again, that's really sustainable. So, yeah, because I'd thrown around a few ideas and she was like, oh, you know, I might have, this might be a little bit too short around the waist for my clients. They'd like to have something a little bit longer or this might be a little bit too fitted for them. Let's try it a little bit looser. Like she just really understands what they're comfortable in because she also has a wide range of um, age groups as well. So, yeah, it was really awesome to bounce back and forth with her on that. And then because I love having more clarity as well because once I can see the person, it makes designing it a lot easier as well. So it sort of started off with like a wide range of designs and with that sort of feedback we were able to really narrow it down and get it to something that we knew they were going to be comfortable in and want to wear again and again and again. So you had the meeting, you had the garments in front of you. Like what were you talking about in that meeting versus what did you talk about later? So I think in the first meeting, she was just telling me again, a bit more about our client base and what she imagined these garments could turn out to be, especially with that reversible kind of idea. And and then I sort of went away and I made some like really outrageous designs, which I love to do, like, you know, where I have like a couple dresses that could use almost like three top in one garment kind of thing. But I think she liked the idea of having a little bit more product available. So we just kind of narrowed it down to something a little bit more simple that was probably closer to the original design as well and sort of like honoured that, I guess, in a way. But then put in those small little elements where it's like you could tell it was upcycled and just had that little bit of extra spin on it. But I think in a way that was really sellable at the end of the day too. If you had to put percentages on it, who designed what? I think it was probably pretty even. I'd say, yeah. And I felt really comfortable going off what she wanted as well. And I think our styles were already pretty similar, which helped so much as well. I think there definitely wasn't any like friction, I think, at the end of the day. So it definitely felt like really even down the end, which I loved. <laughs> so, And she loved some of the ideas that I had as well and like ways like, you know, this is how we can incorporate even more of the fabric so there's less waste. Yeah, like for example, with the wrap tops, they had like these really long ties on the end. So, and we had the idea of gathering the sleeve, which you might normally do with some elastic. But then I thought, well, if we use these ties, I could make a casing around the outside of the sleeve and then make a bow out of the rest of the ties. So it creates that similar elastic effect 
without having to bring in another material and to use even more of that material as well. I really love that idea too. So, How much was left over at the end? Did you have a lot of waste? I think I still have a couple of pieces left, but it might have been only like one or two tops left that was like cut up left over, but most of it was used. So we'd sort of have one top that we use as a base and I'd bring in another top to add in all those extra elements, but then I might only need like one or two tops to make the other ones, if that makes sense. So it definitely reduced it by upcycling it and only having a small amount left over, So, which is the most exciting bit. And I've even said to her, I was like, look, I'll hang on to it. If we want to make something else out of it, we got, we always can. <laughs> Could you tell me a bit more about when you first saw the garments mm-hmm. that you're going to be upcycling, what did you think? First of all, I don't know why, but I'm always attracted to the quality of fabric and I just felt it and I'm like, oh, God, it's just so delicious, you know, delicious fabric. And the colours are really classic and beautiful as well. And I thought, yeah, of course, we need to turn this into something that someone can love again because it's very, I love her designs. They're very classic already, so you can always get some more wear out of it. But, yeah, I just felt it and I was like, oh, God. This is so nice because it's very rare to find like fabrics that are good quality these days and she like prides herself on that. So it was amazing starting point to work with that product. Did you find that was very different from your usual materials that you work with? Was it a challenge or something unexpected perhaps? Yeah, it definitely wasn't a challenge. It was a beautiful fabric to work with. I probably haven't worked with sort of fabric like that before because mainly um, with my clients, it's a lot of like, you know, just jerseys and polyesters and and all that kind of stuff. And what I get donated is a lot of like jersey kind of stuff or denim. So, yeah, it was just fun to play with that kind of stuff. It was so good. I didn't, yeah, it wasn't intimidated anyway. So you made a few samples, you came back, you collected the garments. How many did you make? We had the black and the terracotta colour. And then we had, we decided to make a short version and then a longer version. So there was four samples in the end. It was probably like, I think in the end we had the black ended up being about four or five. And then the terracotta, I think it might've been four of the long and four of the short in the end. And you said you used some of the other garments. So like how many, so you probably used what, three or four of each color as well? Yes. Yes. I'd say that. Yeah. You said Lois did the pictures of the garments. Was that sort of outlined from the start? Was that something that you decided later on? I think she had planned to do a photo shoot for some other products and said, hey, let's get just a couple of samples so we can have a photograph ready to go. I think at that point we hadn't sort of decided on a launch date, but we're like, look, while you're there, let's just get it um, photographed and ready to go. Yeah, just sort of took the time getting the rest of the product done to just send off. So it was very efficient on her end. Okay, so she did the imagery. She obviously provided all the garments. So your role was really more of the sewing and sort of a bit of that design development with her. How long did it take you to make all of the the units? Good question. It was a while. I have to go back and confirm. And it was hard with lockdown in the end and just that back and forth. But I think it took probably like a good couple of weeks, I think just sitting down in like solid days, getting it through. Because there was a bit to do, but yeah, just got into the zone and vibed out. But yeah, it took a, probably a good couple of weeks, I think, to get it all done. Yeah. Kind of going back to that initial discussion with Lois, could you talk me through a bit more about things like time frame, finances, responsibilities, all of that? Yeah. So I think it was really good. It was quite relaxed at the start because it sort of like wasn't a part of any other collection. It was just working on what she already had. It was a bit relaxed and we were sort of like getting into the rhythm of how it was going to work. Because this is the first time I've sort of done a collaboration like this as well. We just sort of charged it as if I would be working with another one of my clients and sort of like just averaged out the number of pieces and the time for that. 
yeah, I just sent through her an invoice at the end and like had described it like in all emails throughout the process, just letting her know at the end of the day too. So, but it was still, it was pretty relaxed, a relaxed collaboration because it was the first time either of us had done it. So, but I think it worked out well. Yeah, that's great. It's interesting that you really based that on your sort of more alterations business model that you kind of already had established. Is that yes, right? And she was comfortable doing that as well. So yeah, I don't know why, I don't know if it's the thing that women have, but I know I struggle with pricing so much and I think I'm probably still too nice about it. But yeah, I just discussed, I like, okay, well, I'll just do it like how I do with my clients. Are you comfortable with doing that as well? So yeah, she was lovely about it. Kind of on that, but also just across your clients. I mean, you just said, you know, pricing is always hard. Mm. I'm interested. Are you breaking even? Are you making money? Is it like you're secretly taking a loss, but you love it? What's the deal? I think it's hard as well because I've also like, with all these lockdowns that have happened in between, it's hard to know if I can, you know, break even. But it's been good over lockdown. I've definitely sort of like with my business side of things, um, packaged my services a little bit more. So you have those guys prices and you just need to bring a certain amount of garments to me. And I definitely have figured out that if I am out of lockdown and doing this full time, it could definitely work. So it's definitely like on the track to be able to do that. But we'll see what happens. Just going back to the payment, because I'm just flat out nosy about yes. finances. I'd be interested to know, would you keep this sort of payment approach going forward or do you think you'd want to do it, structure it differently? I think I'd probably go in with that method that I've already used, but also like be open with what their expectations are. And like, I think I'm sort of open to negotiating because I don't want to get rid of any opportunities or close any doors to have brands sort of become more sustainable. I think I'm just very open to negotiation, but if they weren't sure, I'd probably just come in with that same method because it worked for me. I guess time-wise as well, like talking about, because obviously that's sort of a set rate from my understanding. Are you getting paid more than a minimum wage when you, with those sort of set costs? I'd say so. Yes. If I did more and I'm like, oh, actually this is a break it even. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I think because I'm still sort of so new into finding that time and because I've got like, you know, part-time job on the side, it's sort of hard to know, I guess. And hopefully over the next few years, I'll be able to jump in and do this full-time and sort of see where it's working and where it's not. But I think um, I'm definitely getting into the rhythm of knowing how long things take on my end and um, being able to portray that sort of like within my costs as well. So, But I think that's why I've sort of like packaged out for my um, clients anyway. I've been able to average out that time and be like, yep, this is sort of how that sits. And of course, there's always jobs that take longer than you expect, but then there's jobs that are quicker than you expect as well. So it does sort of like pay out in the end. So, But if it didn't work, I always learn. That's a good good way to think about it. Tangential to that, for you, what's the most important aspect? If you had to put some like percentages or breakdowns, you know, there's sort of more of that financial aspect. There's more of that ethos or values. There might be something else that plays into it. Obviously, if I wanted to do it full time, I'm like, I need to make sure I'm at least making a minimum amount to pay my bills and then just have a little bit extra over. I think I've never sort of approached this thinking I can make heaps and heaps of money out of it. That's never why I wanted to do it. It's definitely that working with women to help them feel good in themselves is such a driving force for me. And it's a definite need in the market as well. Like a lot of my clients are repeat clients because they feel just very comfortable with me and love what I do as well. And then the sustainability aspect, like I've found sort of the last five years I've been doing my business is just educating people what's possible and showing that having a sustainable lifestyle and a sustainable wardrobe doesn't have to be all or nothing. And educating people what's possible is such a driving force as well. Yeah, those are my two big, big factors. And then I just like being creative. You 
you said that with Lois, it was really like the payment method was sort of sorted out, mm-hmm. like the alterations. In terms of the sales platform, did she handle like all of that? Once you passed it on to her, was that like, bye-bye? Pretty much. Yeah, it was amazing. She photographed it and did all the social media stuff, which I then shared as well. And yeah, she just took the whole thing on board. And I was like, you legend. Go. It was really good. And then I could also send people over there to check her out as well. So, And then she even planned a little interview questionnaire with me to sort of like preface the whole collaboration and like, yeah, my views and what I do and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, she did it all. She's incredible. You sound like you were very happy for her to do it all. Yes, I think because I was still new to that. Like she knew her client base so well and I was probably a bit like deer in headlights of like, oh, how would I even do this? But yeah, she just took it and it was absolutely incredible and did such a magnificent job. I was going to ask as well, were you happy with all of the creative vision? But sounds like that's yeah. yes. I was like, I just trusted her vision and her, it was perfect. And I was just coming in to help make her vision come true, I guess, in the end, yeah. So I was happy to go off what she wanted at the end, yeah. What made her someone that you trusted to kind of take your pieces and put them out into the world um, and keep that ethos? I think I already knew a lot about her brand and I just absolutely loved how strongly passionate she is about transparency throughout her whole production process and meeting her just got a good vibe from her. You know, we were communicating the entire time and she told me the vision of how it was going to work on the other end once they were all done and everything. So she was just very clear about how it was all going to happen. And yeah, I think we were both just so strongly aligned in what we were wanting to do in the fashion industry. And I was just happy to be able to help her. On the flip side, you know, you've sort of talked a lot about how she really supported you in this through this. What did you feel like you offered, Lois? I think um, the best thing was coming in doing that kind of alterations end for her because I think she's more passionate about like designing from the beginning of the process and but not sort of focusing on um, how to alter things from the back end. And I love altering things instead of making things from scratch at the start. So I think it was like she does the front end and I'll do the end, if that makes sense. or just kind of like perfectly came together and like this yin and yang thing. I think she had done, or some of her clients do ask for alterations in the past, but it's hard for her to offer that service. So I was like, well, if you ever have anyone who needs it, you can direct them my way and I can take that sort of extra workload off you. So I think that was, yeah, kind of worked out very well that way. Yeah, that's nice that it it felt very symbiotic, maybe, is a good way to put it. Do you think that this might be something that you'd want to keep as part of your way of working going forwards? Or is it something which you're like, oh, maybe, maybe not? I think I'd love to. Like, I remember just finishing the collaboration and going, this could be an amazing business model to do with other brands, you know, as just another avenue for more sustainability, you know, maybe doing a bit of that and still doing stuff with my clients because I really love working one-on-one with people as well and helping them. But it was just such an amazing creative challenge. And I'm like, what else can be done? And I just love finding new ways to make brands or fashion in general more sustainable. As an experience or a way of working, how would you compare the work with Lois versus sort of your standard alterations practice? I think it was really good with Lois because it was a lot more collaborative and she knew the design process really well in her client base compared to when I go and do it with a client. I'm providing all the ideas and all the information because they have no idea about sewing or construction or anything like that. So I actually found it really fun bouncing ideas off her from someone else who understands construction and fabrics and design and all that kind of stuff. It was like she knew the lingo already. It was amazing. And you don't have to sort of explain any limitations because she understands what there are as well. Because, you know, with some clients, like, I want to do this. And I'm like, well, the, 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 well, we have to do A, B and C first. Why don't we do this instead? You have to explain it. But she already knew all that. And it was amazing to just bounce off with her. Yeah. If you wanted to work with other people in this way, what would you, what do you think you'd find attractive about them? And what do you think they'd find attractive about you? Yeah, good question. I think um, 
even if it wasn't sort of a brand that was sustainably focused, I think just one that's trying to become more sustainable. And I think being transparent in that because it is hard. I think a lot of people feel like if you're going to be sustainable, it's all or nothing. So I'd love to be able to come in and maybe that being a beginning process of becoming more sustainable with working with their dead stock or stock that they're going to throw away anyway. I think I'd probably look for brands that might have a similar style to me and like the way I would alter it would still be work with their style as well. So probably similar to like Lois's kind of stuff. Yeah, it would just be a great way to collaborate with more creative people, I think, in the end. So I'd like to help them begin that sustainable journey kind of thing. And it could be sort of like a unique collaboration that they do. Because a lot of brands will so easily have collaborations with influencers or creatives or, you know, celebrities at the beginning and creating something new. Why not collaborate with makers on the other end and sort of have like those unique little collections as well? I think that could be really, really good. If you had to do it again, is there anything you'd do differently? I think I'd love for there to not be COVID. And so to be able to just be able to do it more in person and catch up and, you know, collaborate just instead of just over email, I think that would have been amazing just to be a bit more there together, I think, and enjoy the process together and like do the photo shoot together and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there's only so much you can do when there's a global pandemic happening. So I think we did pretty well considering, but it would have been cool to like see her more often. Normally, from what I've gathered at least, the stuff that you make for clients is very like a one-off. How did that compare to doing the sort of multiple Did you find that laborious, having to do a lot of the same design compared to what you normally do? No, not too much. I think because I was just like the reason behind it was enough to do it. And I was like, this could be, this could be something. And I just sort of got into the point where when I was saying, I was like, just vibe out, put some music in, zone out and got like, you know, used to the process after a while. But at the same time, I was still doing some other work to mix it up a little bit as well. But the reason behind why we were doing it made it worthwhile. That seems like the perfect introduction. Tell me a little bit about the reasons that were the driver for this particular collaboration. I think I was just so inspired that by her being a brand, just continually wanting to find more ways to make her brand more sustainable and reduce her waste at the end. And, you know, it was fun for me to do such a big project that I'd never done before. And even though we were doing the same design over and over and over again, it was just the thing that got me through was knowing that this was going to make hopefully a big difference within the fashion industry to show There are so many ways to reduce your waste. That's a big picture impact, you know. This can help show how we can do things differently as an industry. How do you keep going with these types of projects on more of a daily or a, you know, a small business sort of perspective? Well, there's a few motivators. So definitely the sustainability is one thing that really goes for me, um, you know, keeps me passionate. But I am also really passionate about like body positivity for my clients because a lot of women struggle to find clothes off the rack that fit perfectly. I think I read somewhere that like less than 10% of the population will actually fit a standard size off the rack perfectly. Women are so often led to believe that it's their fault that they're not fitting clothes or they need to change themselves to fit into their clothes and, you know, put themselves through all this stress, whereas like a couple of centimetres here and there in a piece of clothing can make a massive difference. And I've just seen the magic when I take a piece back to a client once it's been altered and they look in the mirror and go, I actually look good. And I didn't have to change anything about myself. It's like this switch that goes off, like this can see the magic in their eyes. And that just that moment alone drives me to keep doing this and knowing that like I can help them feel better about themselves, but also save money, not buying more clothes. And then also letting them know 
you're actually making really sustainable decisions right now by reworking what you already have and more importantly, getting it to a stage where you love it. So you will wear it again and again and again, and that's the most sustainable thing that you can do. So yeah, it's kind of like multifaceted, but there's a lot of things that keep me going. And I just love pretty clothes. Those are some wonderful values. I'd love to hear, was there any particular pivotal points that led to these values being so integral to sort of your motivations? Yeah, definitely. So I remember the first moment that that kind of really struck me was someone very close to me years and years and years ago. We were having a conversation and they just said to me, I don't deserve to be beautiful. And I'm like, this person that I love more than anything, how can how can you believe that to your core? And it just it just really shook me. And then after I studied at university, my first job was at a stylist at a bridesmaid showroom. And so we'd have bridal parties come in and do fittings. And I was there for five years and we'd sort of have almost five appointments a day. And in every single appointment for five years, there was at least one woman who said, I need to lose weight. I need to change myself to feel good in these clothes. And again and again, and it just broke my heart, these beautiful women of all different shapes and sizes, just making themselves feel so small and making them want to change themselves to fit a piece of clothing. And I'm just like, why aren't we putting that pressure on this piece of cloth? because it's so easy to change that to fit you. And so often I'd have to be like, I remember there was this gorgeous woman who was probably four foot nothing, size four, saying she needed to lose weight. And I'm like, I think I literally said to her, are you going to lose a rib? How? You know? And it affected everyone. It didn't matter what shape or size that women were always feeling like this. And I'm like, it's like, it'll never be good enough. And so I'm just so passionate about it. I'm like, no, I'm going to get changes to fit you. You deserve to feel good just as you are. And I can easily do that with just a couple of darts here and there. A couple of centimetres can make a world of difference. So that was just, and it's just in my core now. I'm like just helping women feel good about themselves, you know, because every day we're told that we're not good enough, but we are. That is so beautiful. Clearly your experience in the fashion industry has led you into doing something that's incredibly positive, which is such a nice outcome. I would be interested as well, when you talk about like growing your business or becoming full-time, what do you envision that looking like? How big do you want to get? Yeah, I think a lot of people have asked me how I'm going to like scale this. And I think I just see myself having a little corner store somewhere with my small little collection of upcycled pieces and then people just coming in for fittings for alterations. And it might be me and another seamstress, but I like the idea of just keeping it small and intimate and then maybe potentially down the track teaching people how they can sew themselves or upcycle themselves to extend that. But I just love the intimacy of it and that connection with people. So I probably just want to keep up just my little, my little store, my little brand. They can still pay the bills. <laughs> want to connect with Bethany? You can find her on Instagram at bethanyalice underscore fashion design or reach out for an alteration session with her through her site, bethanyalice.com.au. Thanks for listening to Seam Change. This episode is the last for this season and I'd love your feedback and for that feedback to contribute to my research. So please leave a review and let me know how you found this podcast. I will use these insights to help inform the next stage of my research, including perhaps another season. You can also leave me your thoughts via my Instagram, underscore julia.english underscore where you'll also find more information about the research, as well as my usual content about fashion and sustainability, as well as sewing projects and mending practices. I'm sharing this in the hope to be more transparent about the way I do research. 
However, to keep this podcast sounding nice and smooth, it has been edited for clarity and some sections might have been cut if they're not suitable for public sharing. You'll find links to the transcript and citation information in the show notes. My PhD is funded by an Australian Government Research Training Scholarship and is at ethics approval through RMIT University. You can also find my contact details in the show notes should you have any questions about the project.